With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the JT The Brick Show with Tom Looney on Fox Sports Radio. Out of the gate, JT Looney. Here we go. Thanks to Jonas Knox for sitting in yesterday. I hope you had a Great Memorial Day weekend, holiday, and hope you remember why we have that long holiday weekend. Support to the veterans, the soldiers that we've lost in past wars, and everyone who keeps us safe. Good to be back, and I am thrilled to get going because we're busy. We're open for business. Phone number works. Twitter works. We're ready to go. And this is an opinionated show. Hell yeah. With hopefully a lot of opinions tonight. A lot of drama. Oh, and yeah. I feel like I'm hosting a soap opera. I know. Or one of those Andy Cohen specials on Bravo where he has six housewives who want to beat each other up on one side <laughs> and three on the other side. I, have, I feel it's one of those shows tonight. 
because we had a fight. We had a yeah. baseball fight, which I love when grown men fight. With I like when men fight in rings and octagons sure. and fight in front of other men where there's supervision to break up the fight. Because, you know, there's some really big fights around the globe, but there's no one to break it up. Exactly. And there's some nasty dudes fighting, and someone's going to get hurt. But when grown men with boots with blades on them and hockey sticks fight or baseball players fight, usually there's about... 30 to 50 people to break it up. Is exactly. that a fair number? Yeah, that's a fair you know, number. he's about 30 to 50 other guys who can break it up if it gets a little bit ugly. So I'm okay with that. And unfortunately, as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico, Geico, Geico.com for that free rate quote. We kick off the show off a holiday week, and it reminds me of an old Thanksgiving holiday back in the day. Oh, yeah, it does. Here's Tiger Watch. This is Tiger Watch. In the Brick House. Right, I got a lot to say on this. The fall from grace for Eldrick Tiger Woods is dramatic. It's concerning. It's life-threatening. No debate on that point. Life-threatening. And what bothers me the most, it's been inaccurate. And uh, I was off yesterday. First time I've ever been off in my entire 20 years on Memorial Day. Memorial Day is the anniversary of our show, but I decided to punch a ticket with the family yesterday. Thank you for that. And I wanted to talk about it. And my wife reminded me not to tweet on Memorial oh, Day. I put up a flag earlier in the day. I put up a flag and some some nice Memorial Day message. But by the end of the day, my thumb started to twitch. And I was getting going here a little bit because I feel like my opinion in my life has evolved around Tiger Woods. I've covered Tiger's entire career. I've been on the radio for 21 years as of yesterday. I've seen all the highs and the lows of Tiger Woods. I followed him. I was at the last major he ever won. I've watched him golf live multiple times, and I think Tiger Woods is one of the most important athletes of all time. Right up there with Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali. Go down the list of all the icons of our lifetime. I believe that Tiger is in the conversation. But the problem is we're watching a fall from grace, which is so tragic that it could, and hopefully it doesn't, but it could affect not only his life, but his children's lives and other people on the road if he's driving under the influence. Now, TMZ, who I praise all the time, all the time I praise TMZ. We have Evan on every week from TMZ and TMZ Sports. Initially, they got their first report wrong. It wasn't all wrong. They, they were the ones who reported that he got pulled over and got a DUI. So remember, they had the story and their tips first, but their original law enforcement sources, when they broke the story, said that Tiger Woods, in that first statement, was driving erratically. He refused a breathalyzer test. There was a smell of alcohol in the car. It turns out that that was inaccurate, and individuals took that in the media and ran with it. Then, just like when Ronda Rousey got her face caved in against Holly Holm, people started putting out memes of Tiger with straws in his mouth. I saw one with him in a nightclub with Birdman and Eazy-E, where he was just sitting there with a bottle of Cristal drunk. There was one where he was Clark Griswold, you know, in the vacation movies, Chevy Chase, oh, yeah. where he was driving a station wagon with that face, his booking photo, with a straw in a tall boy beer can. And everybody just started pouncing on Tiger Woods. And at that moment... I just thought people got it wrong, and here's why. I don't always get it right. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. But this one, I nailed it. I said to myself on Memorial Day when I wasn't on the radio, 
I bet you this wasn't an alcohol-related DUI. Because I live in Las Vegas, and I know the stories behind the scenes of Tiger when he used to party in Vegas, and it wasn't about alcohol. He wasn't a big drunk. It was about gambling and being focused to gamble and be with women and party. But it wasn't about alcohol. He's never been a big drinker. That's not been a part of his life at Stanford, on tour. Anybody who knows or follows his career knows that Tiger Woods has not been an alcohol guy. You don't have look around. Go on Google and Google search images of Tiger. You don't see bottles next to him and alcohol. It's just not part of his brand. And we all know what happened on Thanksgiving years ago when his marriage dissolved. And it had to do with what was being said, the five iron from his wife, running over the alleged fire hydrant. And we Falling started asleep to hear, in the middle of the street. Yeah, we started to hear about uh, taking all this medication yep. because of his back and his knees and all those problems. So as I sat yesterday on Memorial Day, I said to my wife, you know, I bet you he was under the influence of some type of sleeping pill or drug, which is completely wrong, period. When you're under the influence, you never support that. You never say, well, it was this, it's not as bad. But, you know, it's different than being in a nightclub and being worth $700 million, some people say a billion, and then kind of just, you know, rolling your shoulders and walking to your car all drunk, laughing. Maybe there's a cop around the corner. You get in your car and you fire up the engine. You've been drinking all night and you drive and you have the balls to do that in front of cops. A little bit different. And people started to go that way, saying allegedly that Tiger had a big night of drinking. Tiger was out drunk. Tiger was out at a nightclub. Tiger was out at his own restaurant. No one knew what the hell they they were doing, but they needed content, so they were running with this. I guess correctly that Tiger Woods was probably under the influence of some of the medication that he was taking. So is that an excuse? No. But there could be more to the story. We find out as I hit the air tonight that the car was banged up. Uh, he did not blow anything but a .000, so alcohol was not involved. And we're going to learn more about this story as it evolves over the next couple of days. As a New Yorker, I was disappointed that both the Post and the Daily News put up on the back page Tiger, not his mugshot, because he deserves that, because he failed his family miserably. But one of the papers said, washed-up golfer, Tiger Woods. And I looked at that and I said, washed-up golfer? He's 41 years old. He's got 14 majors. He's one of the great, more dominant than Jack Nicholas was. Jack's just got more majors, and I just thought that people were piling on. He's also had a lot of wins since that late last major, too, just no majors. Yeah, so I wanted to bring this up in the beginning that I really believe it's sad in this clickbait society that we live in today where people are more about cutting and pasting drunk pictures and putting it on cartoon characters that we're not pulling for this guy as he's possibly hitting rock bottom. That we're not saying, wow, Give this guy, not privacy, we're in a business where we cover sports, he's not going to get any privacy, but at least root for him. I couldn't believe how many people were stopped at airports, were asked on radio shows, all have an opinion on how Tiger Woods has hit rock bottom. Let's see how this plays out. We'll cover the story as we get more information here. And I think a lot of people are praying for Tiger Woods because of all the entertainment value he's given us, all the great sports memories, and the fact that we don't want to see the guy die because he's addicted to pills or he takes pills and he gets in a car accident or he makes a huge, big mistake in his life. Here was someone gets injured, yeah. someone gets killed, and it really is the end of Tiger Woods. It's not the end of Tiger Woods today. It's just a disturbing moment, Tom, that I hope that he can build up from again. Well, right, and a lot of people who are sending out those sarcastic memes and sarcastic tweets over the course of the day yesterday, of course, will still, will, they were still nursing their hangover 
from the night before uh, where they went to a bar, got drunk, and drove home. Believe me, a lot of people who were sending out those tweets and those memes were. On the other hand, you never, ever want to really want to do what he did. And I'm surprised that he did send out a press release that says, I wasn't drinking and driving. I was just really, really high. I don't know that that's a good press release, but there is part of America that says, well, it's prescription drugs. We're we're Mm -hmm. drug snobs in our culture. And so we hear prescription drugs. Doesn't matter if it was his prescription or his drugs. People tend to give you a pass for some reason. Elvis didn't think he was a drug addict because he had a prescription. I'm not giving Tiger a pass at all, as you know. If he got right. behind... And then there's one other quick point that we have to see that comes out here, which I don't think enough people gave Tiger. And you don't have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if you want to, here's how you give him the benefit of the doubt. I A, a quick example. Where I live, Looney's been to my home, and... Uh, there's a prominent doctor, one of my neighbors who's a doctor. I don't know him well. I know of him. And one night, my wife and I heard a loud bang outside of our house, really loud noise. It was an accident into the wall of our community. And we got out there, and it was about 1 in the morning. And this doctor, who was my neighbor, was there, and he had his dog in the front seat. And he had McDonald's on the front seat with him in his lap. And he never, ever, ever remembered waking up in the middle of the night, putting the dog in his car, driving to McDonald's to get food and then to drive home where he crashed a car in the community I live in. Never knew. He was under the influence of sleeping pills, Ambien, and mixing other uh, prescription drugs, unfortunately, but he, he wasn't aware that he even left his house. I don't know how this is going to play out for Tiger. Maybe he was out. Maybe he knew what he was doing. Maybe he took a couple of pills and it got out of control. There's no excuse for his behavior, Tom, but there's much, Ooh. much more to this story that other people aren't reporting on yet, and we have that. We'll bring it up well, to Well, the one thing you bring up there with, with your neighbor is my cousin David, who's on no prescription drugs, has to remind everybody if he ever goes on a trip or a trip with other couples when he was in college, etc., that he's a sleepwalker. So there are are people who can sometimes go out run and don't remember doing it in the middle of the night and get hit by cars, etc. So that happens. Number two, when you're as famous as, as Tiger for as long as Tiger and the cops pull you over and you fall asleep while they've got you pulled over, you're on some good stuff. Well, and this is the second the- time he's fallen asleep when there's been big trouble. He fell asleep in the middle of the road on Thanksgiving that night. Yeah, he's had some high-profile surgeries where he's under legal medication, and he's probably taking advantage of that or making mistakes with them. But again, for the amount of people who just thought he walked out of a nightclub or a strip club or a bar or his own restaurant, and he just threw back three bottles of wine and got in the car and started driving recklessly. Well, you know why people thought that? Because they they were looking in the mirror when they were thinking that, because that's what a lot of Americans do on a Saturday and Sunday night on a holiday weekend. I didn't even get to Bryce Harper getting plunked. I'll get to that. I love that. I think that Bryce Harper sent a message to all of Major League Baseball. You know what that message is? Throw at me and I'm coming to the mound and I'm going to kick your ass. (laughs) Let me repeat that again. He went up against one of the toughest badasses in baseball, in Hunter Strickland. He throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, somewhere from 95 to 100. It hit him. He didn't look for his teammates. He didn't look for Buster Posey. He didn't look for Buster to tackle him. He went right up and said, let's go. I'm going to punch you in the face. You're going to punch me in the face. And I'm going to send a message to the Twins and the Mets and the Marlins and the Brewers to everyone. If you want to throw at me in the next 10 years of my career as I ascend to being the modern-day Mickey Mantle, most likely with the pinstripes and the Yankees, I'm going to come to the front of the mound, and I'm going to fight you to the death, and I'm going to throw punches right back at you. A round of applause for Bryce Harper. He should continue to rush the mound for anybody who throws at him and his gut.
reckless because he gave up a couple of uh, a couple of bombs to Bryce Harper a couple of years ago when he wanted payback and could have put Bryce Harper on the DL with anything from broken ribs to a hip pointer to something serious. And Bryce Harper said, you know, you're bigger than me. You're stronger than me. You might even be a better fighter than me, but I'm going to go fight you on the mound in front of 50,000 because I'm not afraid of your ass, and I give Bryce Harper credit All for right, doing that. All right, a round of applause for you. You better believe Incredible, it. intense monologue powered by True Car. Harper's charging the mound. That's right. And With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. On average, you can save over $3,000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new car or a used car, visit True car and enjoy a more competent car buying experience. And I know you're fascinated with both play-by-play sides as they both oh thought their God. fighter got I the know. best of the other fighter. We'll get into that. Be sure to catch live editions of the JT The Brick Show weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. John Paul Morosi joins us every week, our baseball insider from Fox, MLB Network, the work he does for NHL Network. He went to and- Harvard. Yes, you always say that. He doesn't say it. You bring it up. Uh, John, I thought they got it right with the suspensions, and I have a different angle on this. I thought Bryce Harper sent a message to all of Major League Baseball. At 25, if you throw at me, there's a chance I could rush the mound and fight you, so other pitchers will have to think of that in the future. Uh, It's a very interesting point, JT, and I think you look at the way Manny Machado, who, of course, is a friend of Bryce Harper's similar age, uh, Manny has been involved in a couple of these fracases uh, during the course of his career. So perhaps this is that young generation of superstars wanting to assert itself uh, maybe a bit more forcefully than we've seen in the past, although, of course, Mike Trout has not really done something of this nature uh, in his, uh, his time in the major leagues. But uh, I think it's a very fair point that you make. Uh, Harper is fiery by nature, as we all know. And uh, we all looked at what, at least I think everybody, most everybody did, uh, looked at what Strickland did yesterday um, and really frowned upon it because clearly uh, that matter was dealt with three years ago. It was a playoff series uh, all three seasons ago that, of course, the Giants had won. So uh, really that was not a, a rightful spot for that pitch. And I think MLB in levying the longest suspension, JT, for a relief pitcher, for a purpose pitch since 2014, sent a pretty firm message that they are not buying Strickland's explanation postgame that he was merely trying to throw inside. What was your takeaway, and are you fascinated by the amount of opinions about Buster Posey and his lack of effort to get out there and try to hold Harper back and protect his pitcher? Well, there are a lot of different ways to look at this. I would look at it uh, a couple different ones. Number one, I would say this. He was justified, I think, in the, in the grand scope of things. He was justified in not really approaching the mound there because this was not a Giants issue. I, I realize he was the Strickland's his teammate, but this was not an issue that Bruce Bochy was advocating. This was not an issue that Buster Posey and players in that room felt strongly about. This was a personal score that, in my judgment, did not need to be settled that Strickland felt needed to be settled. So that was basically him on his own. And as Ken Rosenthal wrote as well today at FoxSports.com, there was an indication that perhaps uh, Posey knew in advance that this was going down and had decided ahead of time, 
I'm not going to intervene, and effectively had known, and Strickland had made clear to him that he was going to do it, and Posey basically, even beforehand, decided he wanted no part of uh, being involved in, in, in that fracas. And again, justifiably so. Listen, baseball fights are different than hockey fights. Hockey fights are usually one person against one person. You know who you're dealing with. It's a fight directly between two people. Baseball, I made this point earlier today, guys. You had a situation where Samarja and Morse, two Giants teammates, collided heads in the middle of that melee. And if Buster Posey, who already missed time this year with a concussion, if he would have gotten right in the middle of that and Harper's head had snapped back and he had concussed Posey, there would have been a lot more upset Giants fans today than because he did not run out to rush to the supposed aid of, uh, of someone who really, for all practical baseball purposes, was a rogue actor in that game yesterday. I admire John Paul I, John Paul II, I admire John Paul Morosi from MLB Network and Fox. And uh, JP, by Mike Trout getting hurt, a lot of people in America find out for the first time they have what a great season he was having. The greatest angel of all time, which is like being the greatest Jacksonville Jaguar of, of all time or the greatest <laughs> tree that ever fell in a forest that nobody's there to see. So could you imagine how Mike Trout's life would change? How disrespectful are you if... to Tim Salmon? Tim Salmon was a hell of a ball player. He was a hell of a ball player. Thank you. How would Mike Trout's life change if he were a Yankee or a Dodger or a Red Sox or a Cub or does he care? That's a great question. Uh, Mike Trout, in his own mind, I'm not sure he gives all that much thought to that larger existential question, if you will, about mm-hmm. where he ought to be, where he should be. He seems to me to be pretty comfortable in Anaheim. Um, and Anaheim, as, as you described, is, is a fairly unique market because it's L.A., but it's not really, as you guys well know. And, and, it's, and so it has some aspects of a small market to it there's not an abundance of pressure it's not that legacy franchise in the same way that the dodgers are in southern california so there's a bit i think a a bit of a lessening of the overall expectations on a player there relative to the yankees relative to the dodgers relative to the red sox where the media pressure is a bit more intense especially with the Yankees and the Red Sox. So he'd be subject to more scrutiny, but I think the magic of Mike Trout, Tom, is that he is so amazing that he seems to be impervious to the stage. He's got two All-Star Game MVPs. He's got two full-season MVPs. He's got three full-season runner-up in the MVP finishes. And you look at his season this year, he was on pace to have his career high in home runs, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and just about any offensive category that means something. He was at his absolute peak. And so what this means now is a couple things. Number one, we don't know exactly what what he'll be from a standpoint of at the end of the season, how soon he comes back, how the thumb handles things. Because we know with hitters it can be a challenge when you've got a thumb injury because of the importance of that, how much torque you put on your hands and wrist when you swing the bat. So we'll see how long it takes him to get back to being Mike Trout. I suspect not too long after the two-month recovery timetable, but we have to watch it closely because that can be a tricky reacclimation process. The other part is what this means for the All-Star game and the MVP race, where one man in particular, Aaron Judge of the Yankees, has a chance to really step to the forefront both as the MVP frontrunner and also the marquee star 
of the All-Star Game, the Midsummer Classic in Miami in the month of July. Because right now, if you look at wins above replacement, he's second to Trout in that category. And, of course, as you mentioned, he has the pinstripe effect as well, where there's a lot of people fascinated by Aaron Judge right now, even though, Looney, even though he is only eight months younger than Mike Trout. Ooh. Just eight months younger both are 25 years of age as of this day. Thanks for bringing that up. Looney is obsessed with age, and I'm happy that. Yes, I am. Look at how long of a career that Trout's had compared to my guy, Judge, who's just starting, and they're roughly the same age. John, finally, rare that you watch a hockey game where the team on that night lost and they played better. The 3-0 start was everything. Malkin getting going for the Penguins because to go as long, what was it? 36 minutes without a shot on goal for the Penguins. And for them to get out of there with the W, does that help the Penguins' psyche? Does it help Nashville's psyche that they played better and they could take the series over? Or are they looking around going, oh, my God, we were that much better and we couldn't win? I think both teams have reason to feel good about this. Uh, I know it sounds strange from Nashville's perspective, but Pecorino had an off night, and, and they had a really fluky goal at the end of the first period. Uh, they came all the way back, of course, and tied it at three. So if I'm in the Predators' dressing room right now, I'm saying to myself, we can play with these guys. They are the defending Stanley Cup champions, and we are every bit as good as they are, and maybe even better. Because I think both teams feel as though they have room to improve on their game from game one. Um, I also think that the layoff might have affected the Preds a little bit. When you have almost a week-long layoff and then you give up three goals in the first period, something tells me maybe you weren't quite as sharp as you wanted to be. Although, if that goal is not disallowed there, maybe a very, very different hockey game. So I think both teams have reason to feel encouraged. And if the Preds can take game two, they'll go back to that madhouse in Nashville, Tennessee, Bridgestone Arena, where it's been so loud all playoffs, and they'll be feeling very, very good about themselves. So, uh, yes, certainly advantage early to Pittsburgh, but a huge game two looms, and if Nashville wins, settle in because I think we'll see six or seven games in the series if that's the case. So Thank good. you, John. We'll talk wow. to you soon. Always appreciate your time. Love it. This is a great time of year, guys. I, I love both of my sports. This is the best time of year, I believe, to talk about them both. Yeah, it is. You're right. There he is, John Paul Morosi. Thank you, John. Fantastic talking to him at John Morosi. I love June. Also, I was never a June guy. I mean, I love June and sports talk radio mm-hmm. because I'm a U.S. Open golf guy. Matter of fact, we've been at the last, what, three or four U.S. Opens, two or threes, whatever it's been. Plus, I go to the U.S. Open for golf on my own. Now coming up, we have the Kovalev Ward 2 fight which is a really big fight, a really big fight, and I think it's going to even be better the second time around because Kovalev is so upset that he lost that first fight that he's going to fight and look for a knockout. We have the NBA Finals, which I'm going on Sunday. I'm going to Game 2. And on top of that, baseball's been really good, and the hockey with Nashville coming in, Tom. I think, is it fair to say that June is underrated because we know July is very overrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> July can be overrated. We have the all-star break, and usually somebody gets in trouble that week. Makes it a little bit easier for us. But I love June because of the NBA Finals, which is going to start finally in a couple of days. Yeah, I can't wait for this to happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh- be sure to catch live editions of the JT The Brick Show weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. One of the weekly contributors I talked to is George Contos, who's the right-handed relief pitcher yeah. for the Giants. He's got a couple of World Series rings, and he was involved 
big time in the breakup of the brawl and pitch right after that. I asked him from his perspective right before the pitch that hit Harper, where were you? What was your view of it? Did you sense at all the bad blood between them two and the possibility that something could happen? Yeah, I was downstairs in our, we have a little bullpen area. Uh, when you see everybody walk down the stairs of our dugout to the left there, we have a little bullpen area where we all sit. And, and I was down there just, you know, just watching. And, you know, as soon as I saw the pitch leave his hand and head in Harper's direction, I think my, my first move was just a, a beeline right up the stairs because I think everyone knew kind of what was going to happen from there. But, um, you know, I, I think we've all seen Hunter's, uh, Hunter's interview and, you know, he, he hasn't, uh, He's left the ball over the plate a little bit to Bryce, and, and I think that one got a little bit away from him, and, and you know that we saw what happened. What did it look like for you coming out through the tunnel, up the dugout steps, and then you get out there, walk us through it, because Buster's waiting back. Was that Did you get up there that quickly, and what was your role in the brawl and trying to break it up after that? Um. You know, as soon as as soon as I saw it go up there, I, you know, I think Hunter said it. Hunter said it right in his post game interview. As soon as you see Bryce go out to the mound, uh, I mean, his exact words were, "It's go time." Which, you know, at that point, you got to protect yourself. You got to protect your guys. Um, so, uh, I was up there. I, I ran up, and I think once once Hunter kind of, um, you know, Hunter and I are pretty close. We're we're, we're uh, throwing partners, and, and we, we chat quite a bit. We're pretty close buddies, and uh, I, I, he was on the bottom of the pile, and. and the second half of the whole brawl, I was trying to pull him out, and then Hunter Pence and I finally got a good enough grip on him. But I mean, he's a big, strong guy, he's 235 pounds, and at that point in time, it was like all hell was breaking loose. So he was a little bit tough to uh, get a grasp on. But it took three, four of us to get him off the field. But um, you know, glad that nobody was was hurt and everything ended up being okay. George Contos is our guest. George, what's the noise like? What do you hear? Does that because when you pitch, you get into the zone and you're pitching in front of fifty plus thousand, and you laser beam in. When you're at the bottom of a pile and people are pulling people off, what's the language? What is it like? Do you zone out or do you hear everything around you? Uh, no, I think you kind of zone out. You kind of have to have your head in a swivel because at that point, you don't know the intent of everybody else coming from the other team into the brawl. Um, you know, there was one point where I had, I had Hunter from his back and I looked up and Max Scherzer was standing right next to me and you don't know his intent. I don't, I don't view him as a very malicious person looking to get a jab in, but you know, fists clenched just in case somebody's going to come and try and, and take a swing at you. Um, you know, and you know, he looked at me, I looked at him and he was like, all right, let's pull everybody off. And as soon as I, he said that, I realized, you know, he was trying to end it as well. So uh, you kind of got to have your head in a swivel. I mean, there there have been some times where guys do get hit pretty hard. And, um, you know, I think Samarja came out there and him and Mikey Morse collided a little bit. So things can get a little bit dicey in the moment. George Contos joins us. So you come in right after that before we get to you warming up and what you have to do. Uh, your opinion on what happened with Buster there? Because a lot of people are analyzing this saying, you know, Buster's had past injuries. He doesn't need to be in a pile. But typically a catcher does get in front of a batter if he's going to the mound to protect the pitcher. My takeaway was, look, these are two grown men. I respect Bryce Harper a lot for going out there. I respect Strickland for holding his ground and getting in the first big shot there. Do you think that Buster just wanted – to stand back and let these two grown men handle their business? Yeah, you know, I mean, especially with, you know, Buster having already had a concussion this year. I mean, that that was kind of a a, a pretty hot and heavy little, little brawl. And, you know, I mean, Buster is a, a great teammate. He's a great leader. Um, th- there's no doubt that 
even before any of this happened, that there was a little bit of bad blood between Harper and, and Strick uh, by the way that the uh, the home run situation was handled in 2014, um, you know, especially at our park with, with Harper chirping in the, in the dugout after he hit it. But, um, you know, I think those, those two guys are, are grown men. You know, I respect Harper for, for standing his ground and going out there, and I obviously respect Strick for, you know, sitting there and them trying to trying to hash it out. You know, this is this is something that we've seen in baseball through its entirety. You know, you have a problem with somebody or something like that happens and tempers flare a little bit. Uh, the game has a way of policing itself. And, um, you know, I think Buster was like, let's just let these guys hash it out. I'm not going to go and risk injury for myself because, you know, God forbid something did happen to anybody, but especially Buster on our squad. We, uh, you know, we would definitely miss somebody uh, uh, that caliber of player. Um, you know, so I think what he did was, you know, all, all in the realm of what was going on. He was going to let them hash it out. And once things started to get a little dicey, everyone kind of ran up there, tried to pull people out. But all in all, uh, you know, it just kind of worked itself out. George Contos of the Giants, Tom, and I think he brought some pretty good perspective from being down in the tunnel, warming up to grabbing the baseball after the brawl and having to pitch. Interesting perspective he had. and perspective and timely yeah. perspective on your part. Good get, as we say. Yeah, he was business. a good get. He's a good guy. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.